0: Hello, hello everyone. It's Britt, the petite polymath. Today, we're going to talk about How to Stop Time, a novel by Matt Haig. Hello, everyone. So, I uh, was running errands a week or two ago, and I ended up, of course, going by the bookstore so that I could just see what was out there, um, and found... A couple of jewels to to read. So um, for those of you who listen to my podcast, you probably heard the episode on the Midnight Library, which I think I read back in the summer. Uh, I had mixed reviews from friends, not of my podcast episode, but about the book um, that either felt the book was slow or boring or dragging. I really enjoyed it. Um, And I like this author. I think he has a very um, profound way of Conveying views about, particularly like identity and time and and relationships. And so, when I saw this book, I thought, "Oh, I have to check it out." And I was right. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so it's kind of similar in some ways to *The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue*. The difference being that the main character in this book, Tom Hazard, has um, a condition that is kind of like Benjamin Button, um, where he ages incredibly slowly. So, for those of you who know about the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, uh, you know that was a, an aging in reverse, um, from you know an ancient baby to uh, to an old, an old man in the in the body of an infant. Okay. Uh, and I think I think his time span of living is still the same, so that's different. Tom Hazard's situation is um, a condition where he ages, but incredibly slowly, and he lives for a very long time because of it. And he seems to be a bit more protected from the usual ailments that would befall humans, um, however, he still can be hurt and get sick, and you can kill him, unlike Addie LaRue. So. But Tom was born in France uh, in the, I, I want to say, let's see here, 1600, something like that, in an, in an era where um, things that don't fit are evil, right? There's, like, no understanding of science, um, and because of that, you're either good or evil, and if you aren't like everyone else, clearly you're a witch, or the child of a witch. So you can see how not aging could be really problematic for someone in this era. What's interesting, though, is the idea that humans really don't change over time, which I have often said to people like human beings are analog, even though we live in a digital world, and that we don't change, we just get new toys but the cycle of what it means to be a human and like that, you know, um, what's the word, that Renaissance, um, that enlightenment, uh, then often comes with the downswing of like this resurgence of really like rigid dogma, othering people, um, you know, chauvinism and fear and suspicion uh, and I really hunker down on an us versus them, and then we destroy everything and we come back through into another enlightenment. So that, that, that's like the cycle of what it has meant to be a human being, if you really want to be honest. Which is not, you know, that ideal view of humans uh, reaching towards being better. That is just a clear, straight, you know, direction, right? Which nothing in life is really ever that direct. Um, There are some really beautiful passages, which I have written down, so that I can read a few of them to you. Um, So, Tom is not alone. So, he thinks he's the only one of his kind, of course. And he realizes this, is like he doesn't really, it takes him a really long time to go through puberty. Um, There's a lot of trauma associated with the people he loves, because he's not aging. And as you can imagine, then he often has to leave places like he can't actually be rooted in a community because said community then realizes he's not aging and everybody else is aging. And then that's a problem and he has to move on. And so he ends up falling in with a with a group of people like him who have their own agenda and they have very rigid rules about what people can and cannot do uh, so that they can remain under the radar uh, because of course now you know because now we're in the 21st century, uh, we have replaced religious dogma with scientific dogma, and the idea of still being unique in this way isn't safe now either, is it? You know, you think about scientific experiments on people, about like what the Nazis did in the, you know during the Holocaust with you know experiments on on twins and albinos and. And all of the things before we had the International Review Board in the United States of, you know, the vulnerable populations of, you know, wards of state and prisoners and the developmentally delayed and people of color and women and the poor and how they have been used as guinea pigs. Well, I mean, if you're someone who doesn't age you can imagine that's like gonna be something people in the scientific community are gonna be pretty fixated on trying to figure out, right? And that might not go very well for you. So, you know, Tom is trying to navigate the rules of engagement that will keep him alive while also trying to figure out how to live when your life is hundreds of years old, which is something. So one of the cardinal rules of this society of, you know, they call themselves albas, which is short for albatrosses because, you know, albatrosses are these birds that live supposedly for a very long time. Um, and one of the rules of being an alba is that you are not supposed to fall in love with anyone. It's fine to enjoy pleasure, to, you know, eat the best things and go all over the world and do all the drugs and and hobnob with all the people, but you should never Care for another human being, and they call the normal aged humans mayflies because of how short their lifespan is in comparison. You can't fall in love with a mayfly because then that just complicates everything. Because when you're in love, when you're in love, or when you love someone not even romantic love, but like you care for a child, or you get attached to a friend, you get entrenched into relationships, then you're rooted. And then people will will then start to notice that you aren't changing, right? And it's a whole lot harder to uproot your life regularly if you start loving people. And so this is why this is a a number one rule. But of course, this wouldn't be a book if there's not some conflict with Tom and how he deals with this as he ends up meeting someone that starts to shake this whole system up. Um, Now he's lived an amazing life. He's a very skilled musician. And so he's hobnobbed with all the people. We're talking Shakespeare, F. Scott Fitzgerald, um, Charlie Chaplin, you know, Captain Cook, you name it. So uh, he's lived a very colorful life. Uh, And so I'm going to read a couple of excerpts if I can find um, one that fits. Ah, yes. So this is an excerpt from when he decides to leave uh, Europe for the United States. And he's observing the technological advances um, that have transpired from, you know, 1600s to 1891. So he's about to go on a boat. And this is what he says. Boats have changed. I had been to sea before, but being at sea no longer felt like being at sea. The progress of humanity seemed to be measured in the distance we placed ourselves between nature and ourselves. We could now be in the middle of the Atlantic on a steamship such as the Etruria and feel as if we were sitting in a restaurant in Mayfair. And so I was struck by the idea of thinking that we view ourselves as more developed with increasing distance from us and nature. And that's so true, right? Like, you know, you have a home that, you're, that doesn't have, like, a dirt floor. Like, you have flooring and carpet and, uh, and a foundation to separate you from the ground. And you have windows with glass that close and a door that locks to keep you away from the outside, right? And when you are transporting yourself from one place to another, you're enclosed in plastic and metal and glass, it's, it's amazing that these are all kind of uh, signs of progress. Um, and yet we pay for that, you know, in our psyche and physically as well. Uh, let's see, another one here. Ah, he's talking about music and the beauty of music and the power of it. And so this is after Tom has had a really hard time And he hasn't hasn't been able to connect with himself. He feels kind of dead on the inside. And he is at uh, a Tchaikovsky concert. So, after a blast of trumpets, the violins and cellos were left on their own for a while, creating a noise that started small and tender and rose to create a kind of symphonic storm. And yes, it did nothing at first, but then somehow it got in. No, not got in. That's the wrong way of putting it. Music doesn't get in. Music is already in. Music simply uncovers what is there, makes you feel emotions that you didn't necessarily know you had had inside you, and runs around waking them all up. A rebirth of sorts. And I, as someone who feels the profound power of music, I thought that was such a beautiful sentiment. Uh, let's see here. Ah, Yes. Uh, this is a time where he is talking with someone that he cares about, about time, and about music, actually. Uh, so here it is. Music is about time, I told her. It is about controlling time. When she stopped playing, she looked thoughtful for a moment and said something like, I sometimes want to stop time. I sometimes want, in a happy moment, for a church bell never to ring again. I want not to ever have to go to the market again. I want for the starlings to stop flying in the sky, but we are all at the mercy of time. We are all the strings, aren't we? And that's very true. I think a lot about how time, you know, um, is the thing that we all are bound by, even in even when the time that passes seems kind of rotten. And I think we can all attest to this in the last couple of years. And we jokingly say like 2020 didn't happen because in our collectiveness, we feel like that year doesn't count. Although we all aged, people were born, people died, people got sick, people got married, people got divorced, people moved and got new jobs and got up every day and did the same thing every day and went to bed and woke up and did it again. And yet it doesn't feel like it actually even happened because we all agreed it was a, a fluke of a year. And yet that is time that's now all behind all of us. Um, so. so this is another, um, another point that he said. Let's see here. I don't know if I want to read this one. Let me move on to the next one. These are just really wonderful nuggets. Ah, yes. About how things change and yet stay the same. It is strange how close the past is, even when you imagine it to be so far away. Strange how it can jump out just at a sentence and hit you. Strange how every object or word can house a ghost. The past is not one separate place. It is many, many places, and they are always ready to rise into the present. And then as I'm getting to a close, uh, let's see. Ah, yes. This is about um, the Roaring Twenties. And, of course, Tom lives through World War II. And so um, he's, from his vantage, you know, now that he's in the 21st century, he can look back and see the cycles of the way the world has worked. And so he says, um, I gained a routine. I would start my day with a galoze, Then I would head to Le Dome Café on the Boulevard de Montparnasse and have a pastry. I sometimes had a coffee. More often, I had cognac. Alcohol became more than just alcohol. It felt like freedom. Drinking wine and cognac was almost a moral duty. And I drank and drank and drank until I almost convinced myself I was happy. But there was a sense of something tipping out of balance. The times seemed out of joint. There was too much decadence, too much intensity, too much change, too much happiness juxtaposed with too much misery, too much wealth next to too much poverty. The role was becoming faster and louder, and the social systems were becoming as chaotic and fragmented as jazz scores. So there was a craving, in some places, for simplicity, for order, for scapegoats, and for bully-boy leaders, for nations to become like religions or cults. It happened every now and then. It seemed in the 1930s that the whole course of humanity was at stake, as it very often does today. Too many people wanted to find an easy answer to complicated questions. It was a dangerous time to be human, to feel or to think or to care. And if that doesn't resonate with you, I mean, I don't know what does. Um, here's my last bit of reading. The lesson of history is that ignorance and superstition are things that can rise up inside almost anyone at any moment. And what starts as a doubt in a mind can swiftly become an act in the world. And I think that that is a perfect place to close because it's very poignant to where we are even now. And I think that this book is very much a cautionary tale of not believing the lie that if we do not do the work, of creating a better future, of being intentional about being good neighbors and citizens and and humans, what is capable of happening because we have not evolved. <laughs> the capacity for us to be horrid, the capacity for us to believe falsehoods and then implement those falsehoods is always present. Lord have mercy, right? Like we need to maintain that humility always. So I highly recommend Matt Haig's How to Stop Time. So um, I have another book that is not fiction that I have in queue next to read. So we'll see how that goes. Um, As for things that I'm enjoying otherwise, um, I, I can't remember if I said I watched Ted Lasso. Maybe I did and it was excellent. I've also been going back and watching Curb Your Enthusiasm from the beginning all the way through and really enjoying that. Um, so there's also, there's been this like (laughs) host of documentaries and docu-series about scammers on the internet, or I guess in real life, which I I don't really know why that's happened right now. I'm, I mean, I guess the pandemic would be a really good time for those people to take advantage of people as well. So there we are. But, um, I hope everyone is staying warm. It was beautiful here last week and now it is frigid. So uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday to those of you who watch. For all my friends who I love that are from Cincinnati, I hope that your team does well. I like an underdog, so. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Petite Polymath. This is Britt Stone signing off. Have a great week, everyone.